0: As a leader, proximity provides perspective. It's real and it's who they are authentically. You start to see the patterns of how they make decisions. They set up for success for the future. So it's those types of nuggets that you can only see when you have that proximity.
1: That's Sheldon Coffey, Milwaukee native and Chief Information Security Officer at American Family. We talked about this personal and professional background, his leadership journey, and what made him the leader that he is today. I'm Cream Pipito, and this is episode 105 of Hashtag Midwest Executive Stories. Hi Sheldon, welcome to Hashtag Midwest. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Good morning, cream.
1: We are so honored to have you. You are the Chief Information Security Officer at American Family. Can you tell our listeners what is a Chief Information Security Officer? What do you do?
0: So, uh, before I I get into that, just wanted to say thanks for, you know, having me on the program, Kareem. And I've heard a lot about Hashtag Midwest, so uh, it's an honor. And um, uh, so, yes, key information security officer. So, my job on a daily basis is to keep uh, hackers out of our networks. Uh, wherever we may have corporate offices or employees, so we're, especially in this time of COVID, we're protecting a w- remote workforce that is in, you know, twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 different locations, right? So, um, but the chief information security officer role is, uh, while it's also technical, it is very much about risk management. And so, we focus on insider risk, we focus on vendor management, supply chain management, it even crosses into physical security.
1: Back in 2016, I don't know if you remember, we were in a panel discussion together on cybersecurity and cybercrime at the War Memorial Center. Mm -hmm. Cybercrime has always been a big problem. What is it like now? Is it worse, better
0: Uh, I would like to say cybercrime has gone down, but it hasn't. Um, I would say the CISO role has become even more important within all of our companies because it's escalating. It's a real evolving and growing threat. So since then... um, Uh, Cyber attackers have really upped their game. Uh, You see ransomware uh, tackling schools, hospitals, companies on a daily basis now. Uh, You see a rise in insider risk and you're seeing cyber uh, attacks even being used uh, in a military uh, uh, context now as well. So yeah, uh, more of the same, but uh, uh, easily three, four, 500% increase
1: so you're obviously in a in a very big job a big leadership responsibility how did you get to a job like this to such a big leadership role
0: uh, you know i've worked in it all my life the majority of my professional career And uh, cybersecurity was something that folks just didn't think about. And I was typically the one that would pick up the antivirus scanning or, you know, thinking about uh, configuring the firewalls, uh, the intrusion detection system. So I was doing that work as a network engineer, but that was at a time when there were not formal cybersecurity teams. And so I did that company after company after company, Uh, I thought I wanted to maybe go into this role, but really I was an enterprise architect uh, and had led uh, three architecture teams across three companies. And so uh, there was this interesting uh, inflection point where I thought, oh, I have the architectural background. I have the hands-on networking knowledge. I did this in the army as well as a uh, 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 enlisted as a in single core. And so I thought, Oh, this is interesting. You know, posting came open. I applied for it. I got the job as a director and uh, that was back in 2013. And then from there, uh, just with w- the way the cyber risk landscape started to take off, uh, really the right place at the right time. And so um, but I would say more importantly, I. Uh, I had been preparing uh, for leadership roles for quite some time, and so I had a really good mentor that told me, you know, when, you know, you, when preparation meets opportunity, you know, you, uh, everything falls into place, and, and, and it did.
1: I've watched some of your career grow, right, over the years as we worked together at NM, and one of the things that definitely set you apart is that it's not just about technical acumen and growth in the respect right but as you mentioned you've been preparing for a leadership role um and it's the it's the leadership skills can you speak a little bit about that and how did you how did you bring all those leadership skills together?
0: That's a great question. And, you know, it's something that I took to heart early on in, in my career. Um, I've worked for a lot of leaders. Most of us have. But I'll differentiate them into two buckets. You have your really smart charismatic leaders that have empathy for their employees, uh, they care about their growth, uh, they develop them, etc. And then I've worked for leaders that, you know, clearly they were there uh, for their selfish interests, and more so about their position and authority. And so, you know, when you look at leaders, typically, we want to model their behaviors or a style in, in, in some degree. And so, my... Um my view of leadership as formed through my father through um through the organizations that I was a part of through our church uh the army obviously where uh you know leadership is key and core to the mission um I really I was clear in my objectives that I wanted to model good leaders that care about their people
1: do you mind sharing some of your uh influencers
0: Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, first and foremost starts with my dad, uh, Jonathan Cuffy, uh, you know, was, uh, um, I, would say he believed in me, uh, when other people didn't believe in me. And so he could see my potential, uh, and, um, you know, did not, did not give up on me. So, uh, incredibly, uh, forever grateful for that. Um, I also had a really um, so many people to to uh, to name there. So, Pastor Joseph L. Wonger, Cross Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Pastor Victor Davis, uh, Senior Greater Mount Sinai Church in Wisconsin. Tim Schaefer, former CIO of Northwestern Mutual. Uh, I I could just keep naming people, uh, Debbie, Debbie Hagen, who was one of my first deputy resource directors. And she said, you know, you should, you should go learn about this guy named Marcus Buckingham. And he talks about this strengths-based leadership stuff. And so it's just these small, you know, influences through life. You have the big ones and then you have this additive, uh, approach that, that just makes you who you are.
1: That's a pretty impressive list of folks. How did these people shape the way you are now?
0: So in a number of different ways, whether it was my father with his work ethic, uh, he worked two jobs. He worked in a foundry during the day. He was also uh, a security guard at night. But, you know, really, it's more, more than just the, the work ethic. Sometimes uh, proximity provides perspective. And that perspective, those small nuggets are things that you take away. You know, I've had hours and hours and hours of interactions with several leaders, but there are always those moments, those, those times where you get to see them operate as a leader and you're able to see their decision-making that occurs in, in that moment. You know, it's not fake, it's it's connected, it's real, and it's who they are authentically. And it's through that authenticity, you start to see the patterns of how they make decisions. Uh, do they make the uh, easy wrong decisions because they are... Uh, you know, they, they, they keep them out of trouble in the moment or do they make the hard right decisions that, you know, don't pay off right now, but they set them up for success for the future. Um, So it's those types of nuggets that you can only see when you have that proximity, you know, you can have the principles, you can have the practices, but sometimes just seeing that, that leader in that moment, that's something that sticks with you forever.
1: I love that idea of proximity that really resonates in terms of when you are in a job, right. Or applying for a job, you should be interviewing as much your leader as they are interviewing you Mm. because of that influence um, and how important it is to be working uh, alongside the person that shares the values that, that, that you yourself want to develop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like to say that, um, uh, interviewing for a job is like dating. Mm-hmm. So, really, what you're doing is you're trying to determine does this relationship work for me or will it work for me? And in particular, the manager that you work for, you know, can we work together? But I also ask questions, and maybe not that later directly in that moment, but uh, uh, of the other folks that I'll interview with, is to say, well, how, what is his or her track record of developing people what do you think their leadership principles are how do they handle tough conversations uh, are they passive or do they tackle them directly and you know you can you know take their word as their bond because you're getting straight talks so that interview is 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 critical and you know just like dating if it's you know you get a bad feeling and it's not going to work out it's okay to you know call it a night and you know, go on to the next, next interview.
1: This is a good time to pause and reflect a little bit on what we just talked about. Primarily this idea of proximity, the people around us, the leaders who lead us, they can influence how we lead. Sheldon also talks about when preparation meets opportunity. In some cases, we may know what the next opportunity is. In some cases, we don't. So it is important to acknowledge that what we are doing now and who we are working with is important in that preparation so that when we are called on to take a bigger responsibility, we are ready. In the second half of this conversation, Sheldon shares more about his Midwestern roots here in Milwaukee.
0: Hi, this is Jason Monteg. I really hope you're enjoying the conversation with Cream and Sheldon. We'd like to take a moment to chat with one of our sponsors, New Resources Consulting. Joining us today is Don Weber. Don, thanks for joining. Hey, thanks, Jason. And you actually have a particular service, one that I've used from the Talent Incubator. Right. Would you tell listeners a little bit about that service? Sure. It's really around people. We identify, recruit, train, and deliver specialized talent to our customers that we feel cannot be done using a traditional internship or on-the-job training. We've refined and expanded that program now to include more diverse hiring initiatives and targeting talent that might otherwise be overlooked by traditional university programs. What makes your offering a bit more unique? Well, I think there's a couple things that make us unique. It's the boutique nature of our program, and then how we really get intimate with our customers. So we feel that in a typical nine to 12 month program, we can deliver skill sets that you would typically build over a two to three year period trying to do it internally. Oh, that's great. So we're training our participants in technology and integrating with our customers, people, process, and culture to make a more seamless transition to full-time employment when that program ends. Don, again, thank you very much for all of your support. Sure. And for those listening, please enjoy the rest of the show.
1: Well um you left Milwaukee for a little bit uh and went to Austin now you're back what is it like being back what do you like about uh Milwaukee to be back here
0: Well I, I I had this amazing opportunity and I remember turning to my wife and saying you know do you think we 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 really should move back to Milwaukee and um and you know, I, I, American family is an amazing company. And so having the opportunity to take this role at American family, along with, uh, our new Milwaukee office that, uh, we're building, uh, in downtown Milwaukee, uh, that'll bring, you know, more STEM careers, uh, uh, into that building, into the heart of, of the city, sitting on uh, Martin Luther King drive, uh, that, that was just something that, Um, really spoke to me in a whole different way. So I moved to Austin to obviously take the global uh, CISO job at Dell Technologies. And that was more of a stepping stone in my career. Uh, for sure, because it's a global organization, it's a tech company, and to some degree, I wanted to prove to myself that you know I could operate in a tech company, and you know, sure enough, uh, I'm just as good of a technologist as as anyone. Um, but what was missing was that social connection, that community fabric, that. Really, we've built in Milwaukee. You know, we're born. My wife and I, Celeste, we're born and raised in Milwaukee. We went through Milwaukee public schools, both of us. Uh, we've graduated. Both of us graduated from Concordia University, Wisconsin, and then you know, being able to, to come back home to family.
1: Sheldon, thank you for that. I read this this article at the uh, in Harvard Harvard Business Review once that just eight percent of managers and three point eight percent of CEOs are black in the fortune 500 companies there are currently only three black chief executives down from a high of 12 in 2002 this was in uh, this article i think was from 2019 and also i am reading in different articles of the difficulty companies have hiring people of color and minorities in technology especially in leadership positions can you speak to your experience does this resonate with you are you seeing this problem as well
0: yeah, it's a, it's a very real problem, and I think I'm, I'm a good example of um, how few of the numbers there are out there. I am one of, of uh, probably less than 10 uh, black CISOs in the country, uh, so that makes me a bit of a unicorn, if you will. Um, I was also the first African American to be promoted to African American male to be promoted to executive officer in 160 years at uh, my previous company. And so, uh, someone told me then I'm like, Oh, wow, that's, that's cool. Uh, and then on the flip side, it was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> why, why am I the first? And so, when, and this comes back to the proximity uh, conversation. So, when you look at America, we are very much, uh, especially Milwaukee, we tend to be a little more segregated into our, our communities. Um, I, I don't know, uh, there's a lot of historical reasons for that that we can get into, but I believe it's said that Milwaukee is one of the most segregated cities in the country. That bleeds over into the workplace. And what happens is, uh, when we are not connecting people across these lines, well, you start to kind of just operate within the pool of people that you know. And if you are not being inclusive in a whole different way, where you are looking for people that don't look like you, don't think like you, uh, maybe they even think like you, but you don't know that you have a perception, uh, you start to lose out on talent. And that's where we find that, uh, companies that are diverse, that are inclusive, uh, they, they have better operating results. Uh, they make more money, right? So if we take out the black, white, yellow, green, you know, whatever, uh, everybody can, can agree on, on, you know, dollars, uh and really get focused on that and so um, so, yeah, I think there's there's uh, what I've seen is that people tend to operate in their pool, and then also um, uh, there isn't this relationship capital that occurs. So, I learned this two weeks ago from a, a, a broadcast we were doing at American Family from Carla Hill, uh, vice chairman of Morgan Stanley, and she talked about this relationship currency that has to occur in an organization. And so, what I've found is that if you're not networking, uh, no one knows who you are <laughs> uh, you know my 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 dad was a foundry worker right Blue Collar, every day came out with black sand on on his clothes. And so, um, you know, you punch the clock, you do your job, and you know, that's how you get ahead. And I think a lot of us have been ingrained with that mindset. And so, you have to do that. You have to excel in your current role, but you also have to connect. You have to create that relationship currency with others within your organization. And in my case, some of the best people that mentored me were people that didn't look like me. They were from different backgrounds, and they brought different perspectives to me that I otherwise would not have had.
1: Your your father obviously played a really big role um, in your life, uh, and right now you and your wife has an endowment, uh, has set up an endowment at Concordia. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my wife and I, uh, we set up an endowment at Concordia University for uh, students of color in science, technology, engineering, math, and construction trades programs. Uh, So it's called the Jonathan Cuffey and Thomas Stevens uh, Scholarship Fund. And we've actually given out two scholarships already uh, to two students uh, that uh, has allowed them to stay in school and continue their education and so the timing was right for us financially to say you know um We're not just going to take care of you know uh, the folks in our house. We want to think more broadly about can we have a lasting impact? Uh, You know, can we pay it forward? And so thinking about that, Concordia has just been um, amazing to us. I have a highlight reel, but I also have a failure reel as well. And so I flunked out of college uh, when I was 19, and I worked in a warehouse for three years. And there was a lot of reasons why. you know, flunked out of college. I was you know, smart kid, just maybe not as focused as I needed to be right at that moment. And um, worked in a warehouse for three years and then finally got a, a tech job pulling cable through uh, coal stores around the country. So, you know, kind of a funny story there. But flash forward to Concordia, that's where I met a lot of amazing people. Again, people that don't look like me. Uh, some that did, some that don't. But again, different perspectives that I could infuse into the ingredients of who I was. And so we just want more students to experience what we did uh, in, uh, through, through Concordia. Uh, so, uh, my wife, uh, has a bachelor's master's from there. I have a bachelor's from there. Uh, and so we just want more students to have that opportunity and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a small sacrifice in the big, big, in the grand scheme of things. So we're looking forward to seeing how many students become, uh, recipients of this scholarship. (sighs)
1: What do you want students to take from this opportunity from from your generosity
0: that that's that's an interesting question, and I would say um, it, it's not really generosity it's something that someone else did for us and it's something that we have to do um and and I, I think most people of color understand this, and you know I don't want to be uh, non-inclusive. I'm sure others recognize that as well. But um, you know I grew up in the inner city, uh, 28th and Atkinson in Milwaukee, and so there is a everybody doesn't make it out of the inner city. I I can say it that way, and I can say that uh, those of us that do have a responsibility to help someone else make it. And part of that goal is if more of us are doing that, then more of us, more little black kids that look like me are able to, uh, uh, you know, get out of the inner city and also ascend into uh, these careers where the revenue is, uh, the, uh, the, the salaries are good. They can support families and they can also be you know, productive uh, parts of the community that, you know, their careers can can grow and flourish. So so that's that's how we think about it.
1: So Sheldon, I'm really glad to hear about your background and super excited to share this with our listeners. What's next? Uh, Both uh, both in your career and in the technology space and in this big world of cyber. What's next for you?
0: Hmm. So from a cybersecurity standpoint we are where 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 It's interesting to be in a different company now uh, over three years. The challenges are the same, but the solutions are different. And so, what I did three years ago is going to be very different now. And so, some of the work that we're doing, we're actually building a cyber fusion center at American Family uh, where we can connect and integrate across uh, compliance, privacy, physical, and cyber with threat intelligence. So, our stated goal is to be the industry leader uh, in this space in cybersecurity. And so that's on the horizon um, and maybe a little bit of news. So I've uh, also taken on some additional responsibilities recently. So I've taken on responsibility for corporate systems engineering and technology mergers and acquisitions. And so I'm finding myself at any given time in the day shifting from um you know, defending and protecting, but we also look as, at cybersecurity as an enabler to the business. But now I have the responsibility uh, of actually enabling the business through corporate systems engineering. So anything that runs the the corporate connectivity, uh, systems, financials, HR systems, right, collaboration tools now, that's all within that realm, uh, which now gets you thinking about digital workplace functions, modern workplace. So, uh, yeah, so what's next? It's it's right now, it's happening. So, <laughs> it's a really action-packed field days.
1: Again, thank you, Sheldon. This has been a real pleasure talking with you.
0: Yeah, thanks, Kareem. You too, and uh, look forward to talking with you soon.
1: Take care. Sheldon and his wife set up their endowment fund in honor of Jonathan Cuffey, his father, and Tom Stevens, father of his wife, Celeste, their earliest influencers and role models. The fund is also open to outside donors. Having the means to give is a reason to give but more the reason, like Sheldon said, is that there is a need. Sheldon's journey highlights his resilience and work ethic, but it's not just that. It also shows the importance of the community that nurtures and supports and creates connections, so people like him get the same opportunities he got. We hope you enjoy this episode. If so, share us with a friend. They can subscribe and listen to this show on their favorite podcasting platform. And we can also be found at hashtag midwest.com where you can listen to previous episodes and connect with us with your ideas and feedback. We love to hear from you. This show was produced and edited by Andy Azinger. Let Andy and Azinger Media Productions amplify your brand's voice. Todd Dunst composed, and performed our theme music. Find both Andy and Todd on LinkedIn. I am Cream Pepito. This is hashtag Midwest Executive Stories. Take care.